1877, the earth moved with the power of a footballing giant. And the world was introduced to the beautiful game. People might yet win it here for Wolves. Blasting the shot. What a goal! Bully's the hero again. And a podcast is following the giant in its bid for glory at the top of what it created all those years ago. This is the 77 Club. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. In 1877, the earth moved with the power of a full footballing giant and the world was introduced to the beautiful game people might yet win it here for Wolves flashing the shot what a goal Bully's the hero again and a podcast is following the giant in its bid for glory at the top of what it created all those years ago this is the 77 Club We're wolves, are we? Hello and welcome to episode 99 of The 77 Club. Welcome back to everybody after the fairly long festive break that we've given ourselves. Sometimes you just need to take a break, take a Kit Kat or words to that effect. But Harry, we'll start with the socials. Right, we're going to start as we did the last two times, Sam. We've had another message from Dan Under, mate. Good day. I will make a jingle for it, Harry, especially. It's just every week now. We're just going to get one message every week. (laughs) So William Thomas, he put, hey gents, just want to say a big thank you for the great podcast you run. I live in Melbourne, Australia and get up all hours to watch the walls and look forward to the podcast each week. Keep up the good work and, and Merry Christmas. Cheers, William. And hello, everyone. Thank you very much, William. It's great to have you listening. Uh, Harry, you've got the socials. The Wall 77 Club on Instagram and Facebook, at 77 Club Podcast on Twitter, Spotify, iTunes, rate and subscribe. And a man who isn't in Australia but does listen to the podcast and sometimes takes part in it, Jack Williams is here. Hello, everybody. Happy New Year to you all. When do you stop saying that? When do we stop saying Happy New Year? February. June, maybe. Yeah, Yeah. I think so. Yeah, we'll we'll just keep doing it until it's annoying. Um, Right, it's... 
a bit of a weird situation. So I think what we're going to do is look at sort of like the good, the bad and the ugly of what's happened over the festive period. And, you know, lots of games to get through. There was the Norwich win in there, the Man City win, the loss to Liverpool, uh, Watford loss and uh, a Manchester United FA Cup tie as well. But Harry, I just want to ask your good, bad and ugly over that festive period. Well, it was more than good. Obviously, Man City, unbelievable. The Norwich win was ugly, but we won, which was weird, was it? Mm. Um, after the it was weird wasn't it because we lost to Tottenham which we should have won and then we beat Norwich which we arguably should have lost and then yeah absolute scenes at Man City Liverpool away it was all about VAR um, went to that one Jack kindly gave me his ticket and went mad in the away end hugging an old woman next to me things like that and then VAR ruined my day unlucky there and then ugly at Watford wasn't it Watford was very was. poor uh, not good at all even first half but we just couldn't take our chances and then, yeah, just very, very ugly. Fair play to Neto, though. He got his goal after having it ruled out against Liverpool. Well, hugging old <laughs> women, Harry, is uh, usually my job. So thanks for taking the mantle <laughs> on that one. Uh, I think we'll start with that Man City game, though. Harry, it just seemed that spent the most of the festive period at football games trying to leave them, didn't you? Oh, uh, God, yeah. With VAR nightmares and you sort of just shouting, the game's gone, the game's gone off down the tunnel sort of thing so just what your perspective on that because what made you leave because you almost missed that Man City win yeah um, the VAR decisions mate it was just horrendous just it just sat there twice in a row waiting for VAR to make another decision after it takes some ages um, obviously we'd had, a, we'd had a few haven't we let's be honest I was uh, pretty drunk um, but I didn't leave thanks to Chris who sits in front of us he convinced me to stay but I did stay down the bottom all game and uh Kept running up and down the disabled section to watch it. Sounds like your love life, I was going to say, <laughs> hanging around a pond. <laughs> uh, Jack, it, it's just taking too long. It should be clear and obvious decisions, isn't it? But if it's taking you three minutes to draw lines on things and look into it, it's not clear and obvious, is it? Uh, no, it's ridiculous. When you're thinking back, well, I suppose if you wanted what's the good, bad and ugly, then VAR is definitely the bad of the festive period because particularly with the Liverpool one, there was nobody... Nobody watching that game, nobody in the stands, no, none of the officials, none of the players, none of the managers, none of the commentators on TV watched that in real time and thought it was offside. And you have to go back to bring it back, freeze frame from an, from an, an angle that you don't know that's pixelated. So again, you're looking at it not straight on, you look at it from an angle on a pixelated monitor and you can't tell exactly when the ball is released from the foot and when the pass is played and then after that you decide it has to be offside. And I'm sorry, even once you've drawn those lines and it's taken you five minutes, I'm not 100% convinced that that decision is is right and something's got to be done about it. It's just getting beyond a joke now because, as I said, nobody for a second thought that was offside. So in those situations, then you know it does need to be clear and obvious. It needs to be like cricket where within a margin of error it goes with the on-field call and uh, you know it's not just Wolves it's happened over the festive period to other clubs as well but it's just it's getting absolutely beyond a joke now. Harry we talked about didn't we that we saw an angle of the goal line technology where the ball looked over the line and goal line technology said that it wasn't it was just the angle of that same camera that they use for VAR so the technology is good enough that it could work but obviously the rules don't seem to be in the right place but I think you need more than one camera, don't you, on that side of the pitch? Yeah, well, the goal line technology is an example that something fancy can work. And that's a great example. I think it was Billy Sharp, wasn't it, against City? The camera angle that VAR always look at, what we look at on telly, it looked over the line, but goal on technology proved it wasn't. So that just proves to me, like Jack just mentioned with these stupid lines, I mean, the Jack Grealish one, oh my life, when like his heel was off it, that was worse oh, yeah, than our Neto. Like, well, I think it was Johnny who was actually offside, wasn't it? But yeah, yeah I mean, the, the what I liked, what, um, 
I think Graham Souness suggested it where he said change the rule of offside where if any part of your body you can score if it's onside you're onside instead of just any inch you're like an armpit a heel or whatever you want if anything like marginal that tight is offside and it takes them ages to see if it is with their stupid little drawing lines it's just ruining it and also I do like it people were saying um, if the decision is taking longer than a minute there should be a time frame so taking longer than a minute bang just stick to the decision the referee actually give in the moment just to save all this waiting because it ruins the experience in the grounds and like I say we experienced it against City which my head went and I nearly left the ground and in a way at Anfield it happened twice I know that like you know the handball with Liverpool's goal and when ours got ruled off it just ruined the whole occasion for me just the waiting around just rubbish I disagree with Harry in terms of the soonest things I think that might be a little bit too far obviously it would lead to a lot of goals but it just needs to be a case where if, if even if you got the referee to look at it they can't start drawing lines across the pitch but let's say they can watch it back sort of in real time and have like one freeze frame and then make a decision if it's off or on because if you freeze framed the Johnny one with no lines on the pitch you'd immediately just just say well he's definitely level and give the benefit of the doubt so I, I don't think it goes back to what's the issue is the issue with the technology or is the issue with the rule itself and I think you could easily not even change the rule just change the way VAR is used slightly and make it so much easier and I agree with the fact that when it gets to the point when you're taking two two to five minutes to make a decision which should be clear and obvious it's it's a contradiction because it's immediately not clear and obvious if you're watching it back that many times and then can't make a decision within that time frame. So it's one of those situations isn't it where it's difficult and we're, we're talking about rules we're talking about technology they're not used, being used properly and you know even the the, the people that make VAR came out and said it's not being used properly so I, d- I don't know what you do from here but I suppose they've, they've made their bed so they've got to lie in it until at least the end of the season Harry yeah that's the thing that they're going to keep it um, we can complain which everyone is but they've got to change it it's as simple as that so take what we've all the problems that there's been which let's be honest there's been loads I mean we saw in the FA Cup I think it was Michael Oliver I could be wrong he actually ran up to the screen didn't he for the first time and had a look which I think is best mm. to do instead of contacting someone god knows wherever they are run up yourself like they did in the men's world cup and have a look and then make a decision there and then after a couple of replays i think that would work much better that's the thing all this rubbish didn't happen in the world cup didn't it and everyone sort of came away with positive feeling towards var after 2018 and now what the premier league have done is it brought it in but brought in the worst aspects of it and made it worse (laughs) Just to, even though it was working quite well at the World Cup, so hats off to them. Classic Premier League, isn't it? It's just job creation. Just uh, go and get people in Stockley Park looking at all these games when you really just doesn't need to be that way, especially with the whole thing about being clear and obvious. But Harry, your uh, good and I think Jack's good as well was Manchester City uh, to come back from two goals down is impressive. Lots of people will say, well, Ed- Edison did get sent off, but you still got to beat what's put in front of you. I thought it was a definite red card for him, totally deserved, and and to get the winner in the end, like in the way that we did, was absolutely brilliant. Yeah, incredible. Great goals. I was happy for Doc as well because he's been uh, having a lot of criticism again lately. He's always the scapegoat, but I love him. Obviously, he's played a lot of games. Uh, He went through a personal, bit of a personal tragedy with his best mate losing his kid and things like that. People forget that. So I was really happy to see him score that winner and it was just absolute scenes, wasn't it? What a game that was. If you're looking at good though, I'd say probably thinking across the whole festive period, the good has to be, I'd say the two performances against Man City and Liverpool given the short turnaround time. I mean, we, we really held our own in both games. Obviously, Man City went down to 10 men early, but we got played on the penalty by VAR again. And by so basically, we've had to play the the two best teams in the country with less than a day's break and have to play against VAR as well at the same time and came up with our heads held high. Um, 
did very well against Norwich as well, but I, you know Norwich should have been out of sight in the first half. But definitely, I think those two fixtures have got to be the good about the festive period. I want to bring in just the second half almost of the festive period, which I think you'd include uh, the, the Watford game and also the Manchester United game, which we'll talk about more in full uh, in the next section, is that probably Jimenez's finishing in those two games just wasn't quite up to scratch. Is it burnout territory, Harry? Maybe. I mean, particularly against Watford first half, I remember the, the one chance he had he should have scored. He was trying to shoot from miles out as well and trying little fancy flicks. It's just... Um, I mean, he's got a dip in form, isn't he? But I've wrote down here, his stats, 34 goals in 77 games in all competitions for us with 17 assists. I mean, unbelievable, but I do agree. Lately, his finishing has been a bit worse for wear. And that's why I was very surprised when Catrone didn't start against Man United. But obviously, we know now it looks like he might be going. Well, we don't know because he's back in training. But yeah, um, maybe he needs competition. Maybe he needs that kick up the ass to uh, get him back on form and get his shooting boots back on. Yeah, he definitely needs competition. I would probably go on record of saying the game um, that against Watford was probably the worst I think I've seen him play in a Wolves shirt. I thought he was absolutely rubbish. A few people said he must have been out on the piss for New Year's <laughs> Eve because it was it was that bad and just so and so unlike him. But it does reiterate now what we've been saying probably for months really, particularly with the Catrone situation and the uh, cameo by Ashley Seal, that we do need competition and we do need a bigger squad because one or two injuries now we've obviously got Bolly out and Jotter out who are you know proper out and out first team players it's, it's showing squad depth but I think with Raul it's just it's just a temporary blip and he will come good again because he you know he had little patches like this last season but um, yeah it was it was a concerning performance I think of the one against Watford and you can see why he was deservedly dropped against Manchester United Harry, it's the first time we've sort of seen the squad rotation happen in consecutive games in the way that it has, obviously, the number of games that we had. The one thing I probably would say is, to, to take a positive out of it, I thought Bennett looked good, he looked reassured, considering he hasn't actually had that much game time this season. But also, when we're making changes because players are tired, we're actually ending up with the same start in 11 that you would argue would is our strongest 11 on the pitch at the end of games, which sort of, to me, defeats the objects of making changes in the first place. Yeah, well, that's the, the small squad we've got in it. We've got no choice. But just going on Bennett there, I, I know a yo-yoing all over the place with the games, but Liverpool, I mean, the whole... I've, I've given Cody so much criticism on this podcast and in other places, and I thought Cody was brilliant at Liverpool. I thought... Kilman did really well against Salah. I thought Bennett looked really good to slot back in. So, yeah, they've done well and... They always do, don't they? Like when we rotate, they do seem to do well when Nuno, Nuno trusts them and they, they never really let him down. But it is a bit worrying, like you just mentioned, that we are rotating, but in the end, we do still need them, don't we? we? We still need the big boys to come on and we do need a bigger squad. Jack, how would you rate that festive period? Because I think if you'd have been offered three points out of Man City, Liverpool and Watford, it probably would have been not far off of what you'd expected to take from those. Obviously, that would have been offered pre-Man City because obviously post-Man City, you're thinking, well, maybe we can get a lot more than that. Yeah, I think it's it's very mixed feelings, isn't it, really? I think we did we were quite fortunate to get three points at Norwich. Brilliant to beat Man City and then the performance we put in against Liverpool. And it was just sort of, again, maybe down to small squad or whatever it might be. We just sort of fell apart a bit and looked a bit tired and void of ideas against Watford. So if you're looking at the whole thing on a whole, I mean, the Man United game, which we talk about that and include that, that was just a, a terrible, boring game. Although we probably did look the most likely to win it. Um, so it's got to be kind of an average thing, really. It's just a shame we didn't get something against Watford because that's the difference between it getting like a, a nine, eight or nine out of 10 and probably getting the seven that I'm going to give it now. So six or seven. Harry? Six and a half. 
Yeah, around about six. The the Watford one disappointed me, although Watford have improved massively under Pearson. Obviously, Deeney was back. So going into it, I was a bit worried. I took a draw, to be honest, before the game just because of the turnaround they've had. But I was really disappointed by that. But I think it's got to be down to fatigue. I mean, look, we've mentioned it a lot. The the 48 hours turnover between the two of the arguably the best teams in Europe was a joke, wasn't it? So yeah, probably about a six. And just a little bit disappointing, wasn't it? We could have done a bit better, I think. But is that just us getting greedy because of how good we've been the last few years? Potentially. Well, it left us seventh in the table on 30 points. So we will move on now to FA Cup action. Hi, I'm George Olokobi. You are listening to the Wolves 7-7 Club. So I think Jackie pretty much summed it up there. One of the most boring games of football you ever watched. Um, I think I'd agree with you on that. Manchester United just didn't look at it at all. I think Wolves looked tired as well. Yeah, it was a bit of a bore fest. It's not one that's going to live long in the memory and certainly not one like the time we played them in the FA Cup last season, which we'll all remember for a very long time to come. It was, you know, we rotated quite a bit and it, yeah, it was just it was an instantly forgettable game. Doherty had the chance, which, you know, actually from where I was stood in the South Bank, so I was in the South Bank rather than the North Bank for this one due to various reasons but um so from where i was stood i, I didn't notice it he'd handled it on the way in and uh, so i was celebrated like like we you know probably nicked it with you know 11 minutes or so left but the, you know uh, watching it back yeah it did and the fact he didn't celebrate so it wasn't an obvious one but um yeah i know and they had the one that it sort of deflected and hit off the bar didn't they but apart from that it was an absolute you know drag affair and um and now we've got a replay a replay that really neither team wanted and we definitely didn't want with our schedule and small squad given you know Europa League's coming back up and I'm going to ask you both a question I think the more questions have been asked about replays in, in the aftermath of this but Harry I've got to say thank you obviously um, the highlight of that game was obviously Harry was still in full Christmas mode at, at this point <laughs> and uh, Chong for Manchester United got substituted and Harry was given lots of different players abuse uh, throughout the game when it was very very quiet uh, around us uh, to shout at Chong that he you're shit you're shit Chong you're a disgrace I'm sorry I'm a bit depressed after Christmas and I'd love your life I'd love your life Chong (laughs) (laughs) the Christmas blues some home truths uh, from Harry there but the one thing that I wanted to ask was about replays and lots of people have been saying oh just scrap replays go straight to penalties and other people are saying well that actually is not what the cup's all about in the first place and also these sort of ties are worth a lot of money to smaller clubs in the competition remember and it wouldn't have been that long ago actually that would have been gagging for a replay at Old Trafford mm. after securing a draw against Manchester United so Harry I just want your view on replays what should could be done about them going into the future yeah I think the FA Cup third round has to have replays for what you just mentioned I mean look at Rochdale getting a draw against Newcastle they'll be buzzing the money's huge I mean I heard a story the other day that when Coventry got a replay against Man United a few years ago that money lasted them two years so we can't really have this big club mentality but they are in the fifth round going to go straight to penalties this year so they are changing it a bit and let's be honest the FA Cup's losing its magic and a lot of top teams in the Premier League certainly are using it to rotate unfortunately it's not the, what it once was it's all about Europe and the Premier League now with the money that's being pumped in so yeah I think you've got to have replays in the third round we're just going to have to deal with it we should have already beaten them if we didn't want to replay shouldn't we really but yeah for the smaller smaller teams you've got to have replays early on then maybe even the fourth round just go straight to a penalty shootout but they're doing it for the fifth round this year so there we go it's strange isn't it Jack because we're talking about resting players or squad rotation but actually it's just like a normal league match isn't it because you have the same gap in between because you have a week off in the league so actually 
squad rotation in terms of fatigue shouldn't actually come into it. Yeah, not until the later stages when um, obviously league games do start to be penciled on the same weekends and then when you get to the later stages, you have to rearrange them. But for the first few weeks, no, you've got a free hit really and a nice little break. But given that it's just straight off the back of that festive period, then Saturday probably was a good you know, opportunity to change things around a little bit. In terms of replays though, yeah, I think... I mean, Wolves are probably going to make a good whack off this themselves and it's going to be on TV again. The way that gate receipts work for FA Cup games is different for exactly the reason that uh, to help these smaller clubs, I presume. So I think we get a good percentage whack of the gate receipts at Old Trafford. Um, a lot. Which, <laughs> which is good. Which is good, yeah, particularly given the absurd ticketing prices that are there. So it it has to be done. I mean, and effectively, if we can, and we are worried, we can just go there and do a Mick McCarthy and the name a completely different eleven. If well, if we can find enough players, about. But um, <laughs> such a good point. I mean, we so, joke, but it's not far off, is it? So I think it has to be there for the FA Cup, and it, we need a, a domestic cup competition that is is held in high regard because the League Cup is a bit of a bit of a joke, isn't it? And what they've done to the Johnson's Paint Trophy or whatever it's called now is also a joke. So. It should be respected. And once you get past sort of round four or five, I think the magic sort of ignites. It's just when you've had this busy festive period, the draw has not been kind to us for both the third round and the fourth round, looking at who we've got if we get past Man United. Um, It's uh, a bit depressing, but if we get through those and suddenly we're in the fifth round and get drawn against a team lower, we're going to be buzzing again, aren't we? So Mm. I think we should try and take it as seriously as possible as we can without having the impact on the league or Europa League. Saw a tweet from uh, Tom Rouse at the Old Golden Black, who's on the podcast more than Bayliss, at the Old Gold 1877, said FA Cup replay solutions. Two teams from the same division drawn against each other go straight to penalties. Lower league team drawn versus a Premier League team go to a replay. Lower league team drawn at home replay lower league team drawn away extra time and penalties what are your thoughts on that Harry not a bad idea but it's just a bit complicated isn't it <laughs> someone else suggested uh, two teams before it like Wolves Nuno and uh, Solskjaer whatever they just say to them do you want a replay or do you want penalties if this does happen to be a draw maybe do that obviously all the lower league teams are going to go yeah want a replay so I do like that solution thinking outside the box I mean maybe that could work but I think just ask both teams before the game and then both managers decide if one says yes and one says another you just got to stick to what the original format is that's a really good idea actually I do get on board with that one because then if if the teams don't if I suppose both managers would have to agree otherwise it's a replay if one says yes one yeah. says no they have to both be in agreement but then you might be thinking about it from the football and players point of view but the chairman might have a different thing to say because suddenly like if the situation we're in now we've got a game against Man United even though neither us or Man United want this replay the revenue might be a no-brainer just because the money it brings in so I think it's going to be very hard to actually get that and you might be surprised that even when teams think that you think these two teams definitely don't want to replay that the powers that be due to bringing in more ticket sales and more TV revenue. We're just going to say, play it anyway, even if you play it with the kids. And did just mention it there very briefly with the ticket prices and just talk about the ticket prices now. Uh, if you're a non-member, you're going to be paying £55 to go and watch Wolves at Old Trafford. Uh, for season ticket holders, it's between 37 and £47. Harry, your instant reaction to those ticket prices? Disgusting. And it's on Man United, isn't it? Man United have set the prices. It's just an absolute joke, especially just after Christmas as well. Like... 
it's just it's a joke, isn't it? I think the reaction on social media said it all. It's a disgrace. Um, I'll be I'll, I'll, I'll be really interested to see how many we actually take. I mean, obviously the hardcores would go, but I don't think we're going to get nowhere near selling it out. If I'm being honest, and yeah, and considering they they must know that both teams are going to play a weakened team as well, it makes it even worse. And we go in there, aren't we? If, is it a month later, a few weeks later in the league? So you can go wait and go in the league for like thirty quid because obviously it's capped at thirty quid for away games in the Prem, or go and watch a second team for what is it 55 quid if you're a bloody member it's just an absolute joke I, I agree it's an, it is an absolute disgrace really and it just goes to show if that £30 cap wasn't there what would they be charging for a Saturday league game if they could get away with it yeah. it would just well, yeah. it would just absolutely get rid of football as we know it wouldn't it and uh, the fans are the ones who would ultimately suffer because when it's a Man United game it would not be who's the most loyal fan and been going the longest it's who can pay rather than pay 30 quid for a ticket is willing to pay 90 quid for a ticket or 100 quid for a ticket and it I, I can't speak too badly against Man United because I don't know what we charge them for the game on um, Saturday did, did we also up our prices as well I'm not no, sure no I think we charge them 30 quid the away fans well that's that's you know fair enough and then to have the replay and then potentially put a you know a premium of, of nearly 100% if you're talking you know nearly doubling the price from 30 to 55 pounds it's it leaves a very, very sour taste in your mouth, and I'm, I'm not, I wouldn't be going to that out of principle. I'm not paying that to go and watch an FA Cup third round replay for a weekend team when you can go to the game, the actual league game in in three weeks time and only pay thirty pounds. I think it's a, it's a real disgrace, and there should be something done about it. I've noticed there are lots of spares in inverted commas going around <laughs> on social media at the moment it's obviously people wanting to take the points but not wanting to go to the fixture but they're selling it at face value which obviously you know it's a it's a no-brainer if you like doing that with your tickets um, immediately though i thought that they might struggle to sell them all but but then obviously because you're entitled to is it 15 to 20 percent in a cup allocation but wolves yeah. have obviously because of the pricing have only taken the minimal sort of three thousand allocation same for the league because they wouldn't be able to you know, probably shift double the amount of tickets for that at these prices. If they were fifteen, twenty pound, we'd be able we'd be able to shift. You know, probably seven thousand of them. I'd have thought, but the pricing has just really done us over. Absolutely. Well, it'll be interesting to see. And just on the quick note about the draw for the next round, which would be Tranmere or Watford, depending on who wins that replay. Uh, it could be Wembley Redemption, couldn't it, Harry? <laughs> oh, when the draw come out, you're just like, oh, sigh in it, you know what I mean? It's just, it's just weird. I mean, if I'm being completely honest, I mean, I'll probably get pelters for this. I don't really care about the FA Cup with the Europa League this year. I know it's bad to say. I know you want to get redemption for last year, but maybe we get past United. Most likely we're going back down to bloody Watford again. Um, get past them and we're probably all buzzing again aren't we but I didn't like that drawer I'll be honest it was a bit of a sorry moment when that come out now you know that I could go and get some clips of you saying how much you love the FA <laughs> and how much you think it's brilliant and you just want to win something and all of this sort of thing is, is the Europa League distorted your view of which trophy you want I want to win the Europa League yeah 100% I think we can as well again it was kind of a oh god <laughs> it's a tough draw we're all expecting that Watford will get past Tranmere but in it are we going to get past Man United away? I think that it could go either way again. It could be exactly the same. A lot will depend on how up for it we are and what team both sides put out. So it, it could theoretically happen. We could get past them. And then if we've got to go to Watford, it's just, yeah, it's, it's tough, Bam. We've had a lot of very tough domestic cup draws, I think. If you think back to the FA Cup last year, we had to play Liverpool and Man United to get to Wembley and then play Watford. So hopefully the Europa League draw touch wood at the moment looks like it might have been a bit kinder but saying that we had Torino in the playoff didn't we so mm. uh, maybe we just we have to do it the hard way if we're going to do it but 
if we lose to Man United, although I really, really do want to win a, a trophy of some sort, if we do lose in the third round, it's better than losing in the fifth round or the semi-final. So, yeah, it hurts. Okay, in the okay. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay uh, we'll go back to domestic action in terms of the Premier League, and the next one is Newcastle at Molyneux. The away perspective. What have our opponents got to say? Joined by Norman from the Newcastle True Faith podcast. Norman Adams goes it. Very well, mate. Very well. Other than the football, everything is beautiful in the world. Well, Apart I was just from, looking at your uh, Christmas schedule and it was uh, it was all losses, wasn't it? I mean, are we surprised about that? Well, I mean, it depends how you define Christmas. We did win on the 23rd. It would be Crystal Palace. So, you know, that's two days before Christmas. We can count that as Christmas, right? That's true. Um, yeah, okay. Well, that can be three points for Christmas. Fantastic. What, what would we ask for? Um, well, you know, next <laughs> Now, now last time we were last time we were talking a little bit about Mike Ashley, and that was three months ago. Believe it or not, time flies when you're having fun. What's the situation now, Norm? Oh, it's it's terrible. I mean, it's it's really interesting. I was looking at the results that we've both had since that draw, um, and where you've got 16 points and you've got 17, which just seems utterly bizarre that we've only got one point less than you in the period um, subsequent to that match. But it's it's all about kind of. Context and trajectory, um, we've had some really good results, um, not necessarily backed up by good performances. In fact, I'd say with huge slices of luck. Um, Sheffield United away, massively lucky. Um, victory against Southampton at home, hugely lucky a game that we could easily have lost. Um, Palace at home, exactly the same. I'd say Bournemouth at home and West Ham away were decent performances, but you know we got we got both of them on at good times. Um, West Ham, obviously, on, you know, a massive downward spiral, as has been evidenced by them sacking Pellegrini. And Bournemouth are looking like the side who might get sucked into the bottom three this season. So we just had huge doses of luck. And, and what's happened is we've come into the Christmas period and not only have we kind of lost that little bit of luck, we've also um, been shown up in terms of the paucity of the squad. We've got a lot of injuries. Um, no doubt a couple of them are out of Bruce's hands, but you're looking at a manager who basically is still kind of managing like he was in the mid-noughties. And your football as an athlete is, is completely different to what they were then. And... They're clearly, clearly not being managed correctly because when you've got three players going down with hamstring injuries over the Christmas period, it's it, there's something not quite right there. Um, and again, you know, I do have a little bit of sympathy with the Bruce in the sense that he can't make the kind of six or seven changes that most teams in the Premier League can make um, from game to game over the period because we just don't have that strength there. Um, but at the same time, there is... You know, there is your kind of training ground management and, and to me it just looks like it hasn't really been given too much thought other than get yourselves out there, lads, and play. And it's backfired spectacularly and I think the results you've seen recently are probably more reflective of, of how we are as a football team and squad. And it is, of course, a January transfer window and I think I probably know what the answer is going to be to this. <laughs> but he used Joe Linton's transfer to sort of gloss over Rafa's departure. But do you think Newcastle will try and strengthen this window? Well, I just hope he doesn't bring in another £40 million pound strike like Joe Linton, that's for sure. Um, <laughs> yeah, the, the, I'd, be, I'd, be, I'd be very, very surprised if there's any strengthening goes on. Now, I think the last match that we played, um, you know, we had a Rochdale, Dwight Gale um, wasn't involved. So that suggests to me that he may well be going out on loan or he might just be getting sold. Um, we need to free up space in the squad to bring people in. And there are players there who probably aren't in the manager's plans long term but they're on decent contracts, on decent long-term contracts, and they're unlikely to get moved on. So in terms of players coming in, um, if we do manage to get rid of one or two, then I'd assume it'll be loans at best because Newcastle United just don't spend money when they need to. And um, I, I can't see it. We desperately need players. We desperately need a centre midfielder. We desperately need a centre forward. 
Um, we've got six centre halves in the book, yet yeah, we're down to two. Um, so we need strengthening all over the pitch. And um, if Mike Ashley was a manager who wasn't a sorry, a manager, God, God forbid that would be worse, wouldn't it? I would worse, um, <laughs> If uh, Mike Ashley had his head screwed on, <laughs> possibly not. Um, he he would look at it and think we need to get people in now, otherwise we're done. Um, but the only time that he's really gone out in a transfer window the winter and splurged. Uh, the two times he's done it have when we've been really struggling under McLaren um, when Rafa came in and we still ended up getting relegated. He went out and bought um, Andros Townsend and John Joe Shelby and brought in the magnificent Cedo Dumbia on loan. But um, the other time was we brought in Mo Sissoko, um, Mario Debushi and Yuan Gufran, I think, under Pardew when we were looking bad. And at the moment, he's probably looking at the table thinking, well, actually, we're five or six points off the relegation zone. We'll be all right with what we've got. So I don't envisage any of the necessary reinforcements coming in. How do you think Newcastle will line up for this one? Um, I mean, in terms of what we've got, it's going to it's going to be Dubravka. It seems that he's completely utterly fixated now on keeping the back three, which which clearly isn't really working. But um, you're probably looking at centre-half pair, uh, um, centre-half three of, well, it's going to be Federico Fernandez, And to be honest, Lascelles is out with a knee injury. Kieran Clark's out with a calf injury. Paul Dummett's out with a groin injury. Fabian Chase out with a hamstring injury. Um, you're probably looking at Isaac Hayden at centre-half and another if he plays three at the back. Um, we're really struggling. You're probably looking at the centre midfield pairing of, of the Longstaff brothers because John Joe Shelby's doubtful. Matt Ritchie's back. He may well come back into a wing-back position or possibly be shunted into centre midfield. Um, Almiron, Muto, maybe Andy Carroll will come back into the side. Um, but if, uh, beyond that kind of mixed bag collective of players, it's difficult to see. Um, Yedlin is available, so I expect him to take one of the full-back berths, whereas Manquillo is out. Um, and you may well see Emil Kraft playing. Um, Florian Lejeune is available as well, but he had an absolute stinker um, against Leicester. And I'd imagine his confidence is quite low, but as it is, we're so desperate for players that he'd probably start. So, yeah, line up, mate. You've just had a load of players thrown at you there. God no. <laughs> To be honest, Norman, it sounds like you need a new backroom team with the training that's going on and uh, maybe a new conditioning coach for January rather than anyone else. You don't see. I tell you what, mate, it's, it's incredible what happens when you go from a manager like Rafa Benitez um, to a manager like Steve Bruce. You know, it, it's it, it's unbelievable because you just know for a fact that like Rafa, you know, you look at, I mean, you look at people like, you know, Nuno at your place, you look at all your kind of new managers coming through, all managers who've, you know, I would say probably under the age of, maybe 50 or, or, or on world class, you know, Antonotti, Benitez are over over 50 kind of, but they're, they're brilliant managers in the move with the times. And they have, a, they have loads, loads of technical staff on, loads of medical staff. Um, and I don't imagine that's the case at Newcastle. And clearly there are issues because there are, let me see, one, two, three, four, five. I think we've got about nine or 10 first, um, uh, first out. And sort of eight, eight of them probably would be in the team against you if, um, if they were available. I mean, that's an uphill struggle straight away with that sort of number, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. Max Amand's uh, a huge um, loss as well, obviously, because basically the, the good results we got were kind of down to his ability um, to play alongside Almiron and, and Andy Carroll with um, Shelby kind of coming into a bit of form. But um, now that Shelby's out, um, Max Amand's out, it, it, it's just frankly ridiculous that we're having to rely on Andy Carroll as well as we're main man when he came in. Um, with sort of six or seven seasons of injury behind him on a free transfer from West Ham mm. um, under the proviso that he's basically getting paid per game that he plays. It's 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 just incredible that we've we've got to this position. 
And talking about that position, the table doesn't usually lie at this stage of the season. Actually, you're five points off Bournemouth in the relegation zone, but you're five points off Wolves. I know. Well, I mean, that's, <laughs> that's the thing, though. I mean, uh, you know, as I say, that, that's, that'll that tie into the lack of investment probably over the transfer window in that um, he'd be looking at it like, well, we're only five points off sixth top. Um and we, we really know, you know, you're looking at it's You've got to look at the last sort of month of results and you've got to look at the performances over the Christmas period. Not even necessarily the results. I'm talking about the performances as well. Yeah. And they're coming back to bite us now. And the line of the games that we've got coming up, uh, Wolves, Chelsea, I think uh, I think it's Arsenal as well. You know, we've got some seriously tough games. And put it this way, three weeks' time, I think the table may well look a lot different. Um, and I think what the... What the sad thing is, is when we beat Sheffield United um, beginning of December, I think that took us one point off fifth. And the problem that you've got is, as a fan of Newcastle at the moment is is that you know, regardless of what you are as a fan, look on because you always look up as a fan, that's what you do naturally. So you're thinking, but one point off fifth, well, one point off fifth. But that wouldn't be how it's thought of at the club. You know, the club wouldn't be thinking, yeah. God, well, one point off fifth, maybe if we go out in the transfer window and bring in a couple of players, we can really make a push for the top eight. That won't be the other big thing. It'll be thinking, nice one, where uh, X amount of points clear the relegation zone. And that's what makes it really sad, I think. Well, Norman, just finish us off then with a score prediction. Oh, we'll win 4-0. No, I, um, <laughs> I think... Um, Very good. Uh, you know what? We, we, we do tend to... Under Bruce, we do seem to perform already against teams that one not expect to get anything from. Go for a, a Wolves win, and I think you'll probably be 2-0. Um, I don't think we'll be able to handle um, Joe Martino's prompting and Adama Traore's running. Perfect. Well, Norman, of course, best of bad luck for the weekend. Hopefully see you at the game. Uh, thanks for talking to the 77 Club. Absolute pleasure. The away perspective. What have our opponents got to say? So pretty interesting stat that Norman pulled out there, which was uh, the amount of points that each team's taken since they last met, met. And there's actually only a point difference. Um, so Wolves taken 16 and Newcastle have taken 15 in that period. It's been three months, believe it or not. And it, obviously a lot of football's been played in that time um, in Europe and domestically too. Harry, how would you line up for this one? Is this going to be a return to, I wouldn't say the norm? Yeah, I think it will be. I mean, we've had the, this uh, like a whole week off now, haven't we? Um, I know we're suffering a lot of injuries. like And obviously Catrone might be back in there now, but we haven't got many to pick from. So the team really picks itself if the ones who we consider the best are available. So he'll be the strongest team possible, I suggest that he does. And just looking at the table now, I've got the table in front of me. They're only five points behind us, Newcastle. I mean, we've only won three. No, we've lost three of the last five, which is crazy. I know it's come really thick and fast. So we do need to win this, really. Newcastle beat us. They're only two points behind us. So it's quite a big game. But after the madness of the Christmas period, you're kind of looking at it like, is it, you know what I mean? You're looking at it, is it, is it a really big game? Do we really need to win it? But I think it is a massive game. We need to get back to winning ways. Do you think there'll be any changes, Jack? Do you think Bennett will, will keep his place at the back? Dendon can move back into that centre role and, and then Neves obviously coming back in having been dropped to the bench? Um, I thought on Neves I think when he came on against Watford he was our stand-up player he changed it yeah um, he did. so I, d- I definitely he, he deserves his place but we might might see us reverting back to the ever-present team before Christmas really with um, Dendonka dropping to the back and um, but with Neto in place of Jota I think it might be a case of now we've gone through this busy period where, and everyone's had a sort of week off and people were rested for parts against Man United we might revert back to our best team because we do have well I say best team but our tried and tested team with, with the omissions of Bolly and Jota in that 
Um, I think these next two league games, uh, Newcastle and Southampton, we have to be looking to try and get four points to be back on track, really, I think, for these. Particularly the home game against Newcastle, we, sh- we should be winning it. We, sh- we need to, to put in a performance and, and, and get something from it because it's all very well having good performances against Man City and, and Liverpool. But then if you go and lose to Watford, lose to Newcastle, lose to Southampton, it's meaningless, as we know last season with the likes of Huddersfield. Very good point. Um, Harry... Is this uh, one of those games that you, you approach with caution, obviously, but we, we've been pretty successful against Newcastle in re- recent years? Yeah, I mean, you think back to the away game. We drew, God, like you said, it feels like ages ago, doesn't it? The 1-1 draw away there. But mm. they're very solid, aren't they, Steve Bruce? I mean, I don't know if they're still doing it recently, but they do tend to play five at the back, very compact, and then hit on the counter. So can we break them down is the old question. But... We are capable of beating Newcastle, but it depends what we like. Is the fatigue still there? I mean, we've had the week, like we mentioned. It's it's one of these games where, I mean, last year, I think we equalised last minute at home against them, didn't we? It's one of these games where all Wolves yeah. fans, or the majority, go into it thinking, yeah, we'll win today, lads. So I'm expecting a pretty flat atmosphere. Wolves fans sitting there thinking, go on then, go and beat them. And it'll probably be a tougher game than we think, as it always seems to be in these type of games. Score prediction, Jack? I'm going to be optimistic for once and think we will win, but by a close margin. I'm going to go 1-0. Harry? 0-0. I'm going to go 2-1 Wolves. Let's get your latest betting odds and ticket news. Hi, I'm Cali, Chris Kamara. You're listening to the 77 Club and it's unbelievable, Jeff. Yeah, so betting news this week. I'll take over from Bayless again. So let's just go on the odds to win. We are 4-9, to nine, so that does make us favourites to beat Newcastle. They are 13-2 to two, and the draw is 16-5. to five. Um, Some of the odds, 0-0, which I just predicted I think will happen, is 17-2. to two. A 1-0 Wolves is 11-2. A 2-1, which is a pretty... You know, obvious scoreline is seventeen to two. Also, so they've got us as the favourites. I mean, you can get Newcastle at forty to one to beat us two 0 So you know the bookies are expecting wow. us to do a job, just like us Wolves fans are. So there's some odds there. And uh, if you want some more odds, go over to our partners at Fansbet and check them out. Do you fancy a four one? Oh my god! Is this going to be the game, Harry? Oh, it's only twenty eight to one. Wolves are only twenty eight to one to beat Newcastle four one. How mad's that? Only. Yeah. It's usually about fifty to one on average. That. So do it. You'll have to oh, put well. uh, double the amount on Harry. Yeah, I will. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Jack's got your ticket news. Okay, so Newcastle at uh, the weekend is sold out. I mean, we we talked about the Man U Cup replay briefly just, but yeah, the ticket surprise from thirty-seven to fifty-five pounds, up to twenty-five pound more than the league fixture. Fixture absolute joke. That has been confirmed for the fifteenth of January, though, which is the Wednesday night, as I believe it's on BT Sports. So save your money watch it on telly don't give it to Man United would be my <laughs> advice. But um, I joke, I joke. But. Um, the away game at Southampton on the 18th is also sold out. The Liverpool home game, which is the league game on a Thursday night, which is really inconvenient for me. Thanks for that. Um, <laughs> it's, it's, it's a, a quarter to eight kickoff. Don't know if I can go to that myself. Um, and that's it, really. The only other one is the Man United league game, actually, which is on the 1st of Feb, half five kickoff, because it's also on TV. Uh, allocation is 3,080. That is currently on sale to the gold and silver away season ticket holders on the points as of Saturday, starting with 1,160. And they're capped at £30. So, yeah, go to that one. Perfect. Okay, we're going to move on to the transfer window. Hey, this is Jazz. Welcome to the 77 fucking high street club. Is that right? <laughs> <laughs> so, 
So a little bit of uh, movement in the transfer market, which was uh, Cavallero has moved to Fulham on a permanent deal for around £15 million. I put that at around about an £8 million profit. So um, it was a a win-win, wasn't it, Harry, I think, for both both club and player? Yeah, great. Great business by Wolves. Uh, We're good at that, aren't we, really? But it's kind of sad to see him go. I mean, I get attached to players quite easily and you've got to think how how much he's done for us. He's been brilliant. Couldn't really cut it, could he, in the Premier League? Yeah. he was coming off the bench a lot. He did score some important goals, but think back to the semi-final when he did his drag step over, then it hit his heel. So <laughs> he has done some poor things too. But fair play to him. I mean, he's really he's a brilliant Championship player, and he may be a very low elite, low level Premier League player, but great servant for us. Sad to see him go, as I mentioned, and good luck to him. And he's actually Wolves' record sale now that's moved him right into top spot. And in front of me, I have the top five. So he's at number one. Can anyone guess who's at? Second, Robbie Keane. Place. <laughs> it isn't Robbie Keane. He doesn't Fletcher. make list actually. Uh, it Fletcher. is Stephen Fletcher. Yeah, fourteen million Sunderland in twenty twelve. Do you know who number three is? Jarvis. Jarvis. Jarvis is at four. Ten point seven five million to West Ham. That was also in twenty twelve. Oh, thinking of players that we sold when we got relegated. Now um, one is in twenty sixteen and twenty eighteen. Costa. No, and it yet, is also the same player. The same player. Yeah. Oh, a phobie. Mm. Oh, oh, yeah. yeah. It is a phobie, yeah. When he moved to Bournemouth yeah. for 10 million in 2016 and moved to Stoke for 12.5 million in 2018. <laughs> so there you go. And as uh, Jack was singing at the beginning of this section, the chant that we will always remember him by, Patrick Catrone. A bit of a weird one, isn't it, Jack, that we see him go potentially to Fiorentina back in Italy for a couple of days. The club are now saying it was to have a rest and see friends and family. Bit of a strange situation, isn't it? I mean, it's a strange situation given what happened with the Man United team selection and mm. bringing in Ashley Seal, the young lad, when everyone thought, well, Catroni's got a feature in this game and, I, and I'd probably start given Jimenez's performance that he didn't. So I think his head's gone and he mentally either is struggling here. I think he struggles. If you hear the pa- if you believe the paper talk, he's struggling to adapt with the, the language. There's only one Italian speaking coach at the club. And I think he just would rather go back to what he knows. And we, I'm not even overly convinced with the stories that came out, which you remember when he signed, because he was in tears at leaving AC Milan, yeah. whether he actually really ever wanted to leave Italy. So I think... It's, it's a shame because he had some good qualities and I'd like to have really given him a proper go because he had a good work rate. And I think at times he honestly really wanted for it to happen. But if mentally he's not there or doesn't want to be here, then we need to just bring in some proper competition. And it's annoying when you said that we've had this big movement in the transfer market so far. And we're only so far, all we've talked about is Cavalero, who I'd forgotten was even actually on loan, to be <laughs> honest. I thought he'd already gone. And a player who we brought in this summer who wants to go and nothing incoming. So that's going to leave us with about 12 players. Are you worried, Harry, because it's getting further and further through January, as time obviously exists, but do Jack mentioned that you need competition for Jimenez, and I think Catrone was never brought in as competition, was he? He was sort of that young and hungry Mm. player that you can mould into something better, so you're in a sort of limbo now, because if you're a young and hungry player coming into the club now, you're going to think, well, I'm only going to be given half a season to prove myself and I'm going to be out the door again is it worth the move yeah that's the problem it's going to be really tough it's a bit similar to the Tottenham situation with Harry Kane isn't it it's where you've got to try and get a striker who's willing to be second fiddle but am I worried it, it, it is a bit concerning I mean the only rumour I can think of is that Huang I mean but that's gone a bit quiet 
Um, but Nuno in his press conference I forget now before one of the games over Christmas he was getting asked a lot like about the transfer window and even he was saying yeah we're looking we're going to bring in two or three he was saying so that makes me not so worried but I honestly thought we'd have had at least one decent signing in by now but the fact that there's not many rumours and that happening obviously people are panicking online as it always is isn't it but uh, if you think the last few years under Nuno every January transfer window has always been disappointing I mean I think we brought a phobia and obviously on that one but nine times out of ten in the transfer windows it just seems to be a bit of a letdown where we always feel like we're, we're one short so hopefully that don't happen again it's, it's the way we do our business though isn't it because we Wolves the way we're running the club now we won't pay inflated prices in January and they'll only move if we can get a good deal either with a loan for for an option to buy or something like that so I think although everyone everyone can see we definitely need reinforcements now I would be worried particularly the fact with we're not exactly fighting for our lives in the league aren't we we're not going to go down or anything so I don't know what sort of risks and investment the club will be willing to take it's good that we got through in the Europa League because maybe that will help strengthen our hand but we definitely need to bring in some players but I don't think Nuno or any of the the, the management of the club will bring in players just for the sake of it it has to fit our ethos or be you know real players who can challenge for a first team play straight away so again with the with the um, Catrone thing, we're probably going to end up bringing in a sort of young and hungry player again who will maybe be able to just cover for Raul in the instances where he is injured or uh, or tired out or, some, or offer a different option towards the end of the game. But probably not an out-and-out striker who, like, you know, is going to bring in a massive price tag because they're going to be proper competition. So we need to sort of... We, we need to bring in reinforcements, but we need to also limit our expectations, which Wolves fans aren't the best at. <laughs> <laughs> it's very true uh, Harry is there any names that have been sort of doing the rounds that tickle your fancy if I'm the, the names I'm thinking of they're unrealistic like I'd, I'd love someone like Wilfred Zaha but that's never going to happen is it until maybe the summer but probably, probably not at all um, apart from that maybe that Huang but I'll be completely honest I don't know much about him I know he's I know he plays for a team that's just come down from the Champions League into the Europa League it'd be good commercially because of you know where he's from but I don't know everything you think of like for players to bring in just don't feel realistic at the moment and the players that we will bring in will be people who let's be honest we probably don't really know too much about because that's the way we deal isn't it who was that Ecuadorian one as well the one who played for yeah I think you mean uh, Leonardo Campanajac Wolves apparently in uh, Barcelona SC is the the team that he plays for and he impressed I think at the South American under 20s championship I don't know if that's top scoring at the tournament so uh, yeah that was about if he's got legs that's be useless that's true better than Vallejo but what we'll do now is say goodbye to Harry Mansell goodbye say goodbye to Jack goodbye and Dan's going to play Level Up hi I'm Matt Murray you're listening to the 77 Club 77 Club for life yo so Dan how's it going to begin with yeah not bad Sam not bad happy new year um, thank you very much same to you same to everyone on the pod and you're over in America at the moment yes I'm uh, I'm living here in New York I run the uh, the New York Wolves out of here and uh, how's it going how's the group going it's actually going really well um, we've had quite a few uh, new members come in we're actually slowly recruiting uh, more and more American you know members with the success of the team brings more people uh, who are interested in our style of play one of the best things about us getting in the Premier League is that the new American football supporters, when they used to ask, oh, who's your team? I'd be like, it's Wolves. I've never heard of them. Who's your Premier League team? So now when they ask and they say, uh, who's your team? You say Wolves. 
you know, they fully recognise who we are and uh, actually get quite a few impressed nods. Oh, excellent. So they're all cashing in their Tottenham shirts for Wolves ones. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of fickle Tottenham fans over here. <laughs> and over here too. Uh, right, when was your first Wolves game, Dan? My first Wolves game, I only kind of vaguely remember it. I was very young at the time, but it was um, in the 92-93 season. It was in January, the home game against Barnsley. I must have been... I think I was on my dad's shoulders. Um, I only remember because we had photos of me being there. But yeah, it was. Uh, I, I think we won the game. I can't even remember the result. But yeah, it was. Um, it was Barnsley in the ninety-two, ninety-three season. Wow, back in a long time ago. And uh, what do you normally score on level up when you listen? Well, this is the thing that's worrying me. Normally, I do all right, and I wonder how people aren't getting the questions right. But today, <laughs> I'm imagining it's all going to go wrong for me. That's half the fun. It's only easy when you know the answers, right? That's exactly it. Well, perfect. Dan, if you're ready to play, let's play Level Up. All right. Let's play Level Up. Who did Wolves sign Benic Afobe from first time round? I'm going to have to say, do we sign Do we sign him from Bournemouth and, sell it, and then sell him back? No, it was the first time round was from Arsenal. Arsenal. He yeah. was in the youth system at Arsenal, he was. wasn't he? He was. But don't worry, you can't drop into minus, so that's fine. It's, if there's one that you're going to get wrong, it needs to be the first question. And number two, Cristiano Ronaldo did what for the first time in the last week? I have no idea. I've not heard anything about him in the last week. He scored his first ever Serie A hat-trick. Ah. Ah, indeed. Okay. Serie A. Still on zero, Dan, but there's there's time to recover. Wolves' first ever away win in the Premier League was where? Was it West Ham United? No, it is a W, though. It's Wigan. Wigan Athletic. Andy Keogh with the goal that day. Question number four. Which horse won the 2019 Grand National? Nah, I don't do horse racing, I'm afraid. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's Tiger Roll. Five. Sam Vokes scored on his Wolves debut against which club was it? A, Peterborough. B, Plymouth. Or C, Portsmouth. I I don't think it's C. Um, I'm going to go with Peterborough. It's not, it's Plymouth. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is going as well as I imagined. This is going exactly as well as I imagined. Dory, I, I reckon the comeback is on. You've got five questions left. The seven, Most of the 77 Club lads got four, so you can still beat the 77 Club. Here we go. Name one of the five sports that have been added to the 2020 Olympics. Is it 2020 cricket? No, it's not on. <laughs> softball. I thought oh, you get wow. softball being uh, in America, but you could add skateboarding, uh, softball, karate, climbing, or surfing. Any of those. But here we go. Four left. Four to beat. Who did Morgan Gibbs White make his debut against in the FA Cup third round? Uh, played last year. Who did we start in the FA Cup last year? Was it Liverpool? No, it's Stoke is the answer I think it went to a replay actually from from memory I'm just going to remind you very quickly now that one is the lowest score we've ever had and that was Colin so if Colin will be listening and he'll be hoping that you don't get any of these right and so far (laughs) he'll be in the right ballpark question number eight 
Who did Carl Froch beat in his last ever fight as a pro boxer? Um, I know this. It's on the tip of my tongue. Was it... uh, He won the last fight. Was it Groves or was it Kessler? Uh, I'm going to say it was... Level one. Up he goes to level one. (laughs) There you go. Off the mark, Dan. Let's finish strongly. Let's see if we can do this. Who was Wolves manager in between Terry Connor and Dean Saunders? Oh, my God. It's either Solbakken or Walter Zenger, which was... I think it was Zenger. Oh, no. Down he goes. It's the other one. (laughs) It's Solbakken. Oh, Solbakken. (laughs) Right. This to avoid a big fat zero, Dan. Oh, God, come on. Who are England cricket playing a test series with at time of recording? Oh, thank God. Uh, South Africa. Level one. Up he goes to level one. It is South Africa. So, Dan, you tie with Colin in last place at the moment. How do you think you did? Um, About as well as I expected. (laughs) (laughs) You were quite nervous. I thought, I don't know. I think he's just a bit of bravado and maybe lowering expectations but um when it got up to question five and we went off the mark i was a little bit worried dan yeah it did not go as well as I thought um but you know at least i'm not last that's you know i'll, I'll take joint last that is the main thing dan uh, just give uh, new york wolves a quick plug for the uh, newcastle game uh, so if you're over in New York City, come visit us. We're at Joneswood Foundry in the Upper East Side. Good English pub with, uh, actually I'd say the best English pub in New York. Um, we'll be there for the game 10 a.m. this Saturday. Score prediction? I'm going to say 2-1 to Wolves and an injury time winner. Lovely. We love the positivity. Dan, well, best of luck with it and thanks for listening. Thank you very much, Sam. The 77 Club. The Wolves Podcast for the Gold and Black Army. Sports Social Podcast Network. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. Laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.